0: All right, welcome everybody back to the Hoop Dreams Magazine podcast sponsored by R B D and d Rebound brand. Today we have a special guest by the name of Chris Eggie. Eggie, would you like to introduce yourself? Hey, how you
1: doing? Uh, yeah, my name's Chris Eggie. You know, uh, former Harvard basketball player, just recently graduated uh, with Captain's team
0: this past year. So, yeah. uh, We'll get started right there. Um, just growing up, you know, what were, your, what were your dreams growing up as a kid? Um, was basketball always a thought in your mind that you always wanted to do when you was younger, or did you have aspirations to do something else?
1: Uh, yeah, so basketball, I didn't come into the until a little bit later in my childhood, maybe like when I was 11, 12. Growing up, my main dream was uh, going to Harvard, actually, funny enough. Um, I come from a Nigerian background, so education is real big in Nigerian families. You know, there's a joke that you know, you talk about law school med school Harvard when you grow up in a Nigerian family. So, uh, there's a video of me when I was seven years old, and my mom was like, what do you want to do when you grow up? I'm like, I want to be a CEO. And she's like, what are you going to do before you become a CEO? I said, you know, I'm going to go to Harvard and learn a lot. So, that was kind of my, my goal. Uh, and then, basketball came to picture. I was really tall growing up. So, I started playing basketball around 11, 12, and I just fell in love with the game, and it was thinking, you know, one day
0: playing the NBA? Who was who was an inspiration for you? Um You said ten, eleven years old at at that young of an mm-hmm. age, growing up in Canada. uh, Who did you look up to in terms of uh as a successful basketball player that you aspired to be like? Yeah, so
1: there's there was, the main person I looked up to was my brother. Honestly, he play, he He's playing. You know, he's trying to play high school ball, and we used to play all the time in the basement on like a little tight net. And my main goal was, you know, being better than him. So that was the main person I looked up to. And then uh, Chris Bosh was a big guy on the Raptors at that time. So I would really be watching the Raptors games, you know, watch Chris Bosh play, and trying to model my game after him.
0: So, you know, you said at a at a young age you knew that you wanted to go to Harvard. What was it about Harvard that pushed you at a young age? to thrive to uh, be able to attend and say that, that you got accepted yeah I
1: think at a young age I didn't fully understand it but I think it was just this idea that uh, Harvard was like the symbol of you know mobility you know an opportunity to you know do do good for my family and to succeed you know and it seems like people who were successful in life went to Harvard and I thought that would be a great place to go to you know open up doors for myself and my family and to create these opportunities you know, a lot of kids, a lot of black
0: kids, especially don't get. I mean, you had a, a a great chance to pursue a lot of different academic institutions in terms of attending for academic purposes and also basketball purposes, in terms of Northwestern, uh, Vanderbilt. How did you decide that Harvard was the one? Because you know, the schools come in. You may you at a young age say, you know, I'm I'm going to Harvard, but. When all these other schools come in, did you ever at one point say, I may not be going to Harvard, I may be going a different route?
1: Oh yeah, for sure. Um, when I first started getting recruited, Harvard kinda fell off the map for me in high school. You know, because of my main goal is, you know, playing basketball. So I was looking at all different kinds of schools and Harvard wasn't really one of my main choices. Um, I started thinking more and more about it, you know, I got to know the coaching staff better. And, you know, they made it into my top five, but still, for my official visit, but still, you know, I wasn't sure I was if that's where I wanted to go. I wasn't sure if it was the right fit basketball-wise. And then I went on of my official visit, and um, I just spoke with Coach Amateur. and we had a talk about vision for the program, for where I fit in that, and, you know, where the program would fit in my life and how it would change my life. You know, we sat down, we had like a maybe 20-30-minute conversation with me and him, and, you know, I. Uh, I ended up committing that weekend and canceling all my other visits. And that's kind of like when I made that decision that Harvard was, was where I wanted to go. So definitely thought of different schools and, you know, a lot of different criteria to look at. And then Coach Hammer, I just really believed in him as a coach and as a person. And that's kind of like what told me at Harvard.
0: Okay. Um, we'll get back to the Harvard aspect. Um, what I want to talk about is your commencement speech. Um, I must have watched that speech uh, At least 10 times uh, The way you articulated the speech The way you used the analogy Of continuing to climb the branch And, and just point up And continue to say keep going uh, Success for you How do you measure success When that line you say You just point up And, and continue to say keep going is there a ceiling for you in terms of success, or do you just continue wanting to make a better person yourself and continue to thrive and just uh, have people look at you as a measurement, as the bar of, of success?
1: Yeah, I don't think there is a ceiling. You know, the way I kind of measure success is not only in how high you can go as an individual, like what you can do, whether you know whether that's you know having a great job, you know, making a lot of money. Uh, doing great things, you know, the uh, way I mentioned success is, like, beyond that, what can you do for other people who, you know, don't have the opportunities that you do, and I feel like there's always room to help more another person, so I feel like there's no, there's no point at which you stop climbing, and um, I think that's kind of how I measure success, like, what can you do, not only for yourself, but for others, and um, I think if you look at it that way, there's, there's always room to grow. Okay,
0: so the, the name of the podcast is Bridging the Gap. When you came into Harvard as a freshman, um, mm-hmm. you received one of the most recognized, achieved, uh, highest academic awards um, as a freshman, the the, the Tour Book Prize. Um, yes, sir. Did you even know that was a thing coming into Harvard, or was it something that you just found out when you won it? I just found out when
1: I wanted. So it's like funny because
0: to continue on for that, does uh, yeah. do was there somebody who so it's um in terms of bridging the gap, was there somebody who was on the team or on campus that you know, looked at you and said, you know what, I'm gonna help you get through this first year of college or I'm gonna help you get through these four years of college?
1: Yeah, no, uh that's a great question. I think it was really my teammates, you know, there's this one senior on the team, his name was uh, Steve Smithy, he's from Cameroon. He was the captain of the team uh, my freshman year. And you know, just seeing how he kind of balanced basketball and academics, and he was like he was doing, he was crazy smart, he was doing math as his major, with computer science as his minor. And just on the basketball team, he was the captain of the team, that kind of inspired me. I just tried to like see what he did, try to model everything I did after him. And, uh, you know, I had a goal board my freshman year where I wrote down all of my goals for the year. One of my goals was to get, like, a three point, you know, 3.75 freshman year. I thought that would be, like, something hard to get, but something I could maybe get. And then I remember I got back my first math test, and I got, like, a 90-something on it. And I was like, you know what, let's boost the goals. And I set my goal to 4.0. And, you know, at the end of my freshman year, I ended up getting a 396, which is why I got the award. So it was just that kind of, you know, seeing other people who are capable of doing it kind of inspired me, having them by my side, having Coach being very supportive. You know, if you had an exam, you can't practice with it early, stuff like that. Um, we would practice less during, like, the reading period for exams, so Coach is really supportive. Um, my teammates were really supportive, and it just really helped me kind of, like you said, bridge that gap between
0: high school and college. That helped me hit the ground running. Good. Um, uh- now, life after basketball, usually when- so- when a collegiate athlete graduates um you you think you know the next step is a pro career you decided not to pursue a pro career uh at the moment um how did you come to that decision, and do you think that it, that this is just it's a just now decision and you'll probably try to pursue it later or um you're you're content with, you know, being able to pursue another journey outside of basketball?
1: Yeah, I feel like kind of how it came to the decision my goal is always to play in the NBA. Um, and in college, you know, I dealt with injuries. There's a lot of competition on the team and things just didn't work out with me in terms of, you know, generating the buzz I needed to to be able to be like an NBA prospect. And then at that point, you know, something that someone had always spoken to me about when I was, you know, thinking about Harvard versus other schools is like what's your plan B and Harvard provided me with a great plan B. So by the time I was and at the end of my sophomore year, I was working the internship on Wall Street, uh, during the summer while I was also, you know, doing my basketball workouts. So I've been doing that the past two summers, just kind of getting ready for plan B in case, you know, basketball didn't work out in terms of going to the NBA and then I can make the decision between maybe going overseas and playing in, like, you know, maybe not a great league or, you know, having a chance to have a great job over here and start a great career. And um, one thing that I guess I learned from my junior at Harvard was I'm much more than just a basketball player. There's much more to me. And um, I think this is a great opportunity, and I'm kind of, I'm kind of settled in it, you know. I, I'm, I appreciate the fact that I've had a great basketball career, but I think um, – I think it's time for me to pave a different path. And I think that it is an interesting path. And I think it's an opportunity to see different aspects of my life. Um, Like Coach always told me, you know, you're more than just a basketball player. It's time for me to kind of live up to that feeling, you know. So that's kind of how I feel about that.
0: I've seen, um, you know, even at a young age, um, you were involved in leadership programs. You were involved in middle school mentoring programs. Uh. How do you see yourself um, continuing to be an example and a mentor, not only to the youth, but also your peers?
1: Yeah, so I guess there's two ways. And I think the first way is like through different programs. So, you know, I'm trying to get involved with different programs in Toronto, mentoring youth, connecting them to kind of my Harvard network and, you know, having. Kids who would never be exposed to a lot of the things that Harvard kids are exposed to get that exposure. I think that's something I'm working on doing in Toronto. Um, you know, and then beyond that, beyond programs, beyond you know, mentorship, I think most importantly, you know, living life the way, in a way that sets an example, and that's something you know I'm working on. You know, I'm, of course, I'm not perfect. I made a lot of mistakes in my life, but I'm really trying to work, live my life as an example of, you know, someone who cares about other people, someone who shows love to other people. And I think through that, um, i can just an example for the youth and also my kids, you know, on how to, you know, spread love as well. world.
0: When it was announced that you would be a commencement speaker, was that on the board uh, that you said that you had created? Or was that one thing that, that you forgot to put down?
1: That wasn't on the board that I created. Honestly, I think I, I when I heard about the competition, I, I wrote it down as a goal, though. So I didn't know it was a thing until um, it kind of became a goal of mine. I, I attended graduation the year before. I saw the speakers. And I was like, "Wow, what a great platform to say something important." And it was like kind of a you know a goal I had in the back of my head. And then when it came up again, I wrote it down and I said I want to do this. And then, you know, uh, did all the applications, did all the auditions, and was able to get the opportunity. And it was like, you know, just kind of always trying to visualize something, dreaming, and then work towards making
0: it happen in your life. Uh, just to um, follow up um, with visions, um, being a team captain, you're, you know, looked at as a leader. I mean, on. On paper, before you even stepped into uh, the Harvard campus, you was part of outreach council, leadership programs. You, was all, you yourself have already put yourself in a position uh, of leadership. So when you got announced to be captain, uh, did you feel pressure in terms of now, okay, the underclassmen are now looking up towards me because I have to answer the questions that they have and I have to lead by example. Is there anybody on the team that you took under the wing and said, you know what, I'm gonna mold this gentleman to not only be the best basketball player on the court, but also just a great individual, not only just in Harvard, but in life itself.
1: Yeah, you know, honestly, I think part of the reason why the position attacking was auntie to me was because no I always tried to, even as a junior, I tried to kind of take that approach to some of the younger players, and you know, try and you know help them in any way possible. You know, one guy who comes to mind is uh, he's, he's going to be a junior now, but his name is Robert Baker. He's like a tall, seven foot, uh, big, they can shoot it, handle it, like a lot of potential, a little bit slim. And you know, I just always stayed on him about how to eat, how he needs to work out, uh, and then you know, I was introducing him to like different. You know a networking event different internship programs you know helping them meet new people and I, I try to take them under my wing as much as possible and show them you know show them some of the things i was trying to do and try and show them some of the pitfalls that i fell into and help them avoid those so you know um that's kind of i just you know see so much potential in a lot of these kids coach does a great job of recruiting great kids you know i just try and help them in anything that they need help with try and give them advice you know because obviously i I I've experienced
0: it, you know, I've I've been able to, you know, succeed within the Harvard environment. so I try to pass that on to my team. Good, okay. Um, Just to get started to wrap things up, is there anything that you could say to the younger generation coming up, those inspiring to go to a Harvard, um, those inspiring just to come from Canada to go to a collegiate institution in the United States um, as a young black male I know during your commencement speech you you had mentioned uh, Mike Brown and his goals and how his goals got stopped short and into him reaching um, all of his dreams it, is there a message that you have for the young uh, group of young males um, of color uh, who think that it just might be too hard to get into Harvard, um, in just because of the product of the environment that they come from, or just in terms of, it's just not something that's presented to them at a young age as the way that your parents did.
1: Yeah. You no. Know, main thing I would say is you know don't let the world tell you what you can and can't do. I know as a black man, it's easy, or a black woman, it's easy to be you know told by the society that. There are only certain things that you are capable of. But uh, I believe with hard work and dedication, you know, you're capable of more than you can ever imagine. And obviously, there are very real barriers to success and very real obstacles to achieving everything that you want to achieve. But also know that you're capable of more than you can ever imagine. And that's what I would say. And, uh, yeah, that's what I would say.
0: Okay, thank you, Chris Aggie, for... Uh, being a part of the Bridging the Gap podcast, uh, you can sign out the way you want to sign out. Um, i just like to say thank you again uh, for being a guest. Uh,
1: thank you for having me, my man. I appreciate all the work you're doing. I really appreciate that.
0: Thank you. Thank you.
1: This is for your.